So when I was uh, a freshman in college, um, I was on the football team and I was trying to make my own way and kind of uh, make a name for myself and what I thought that meant. And uh, I would often, early in the semester, go down to the frats. That was kind of at the college I went to. That was the, that was the scene. That was the place where you went to party, to have fun, to, to drink, to meet people. And so uh, I found myself going down to, the, down to the frats pretty regularly, Friday, Saturday nights, hanging out with my football buddies, but also having my eyes open for, uh, for, for potential women uh, at, at this point in my life. And, uh, and on one particular night, um, I, I, I ran into a girl I had seen before, and I knew her hardly at all. Um, but one thing led to another, and it didn't take long before we were together, sleeping together that night. And, uh, and I didn't know quite what to do after the fact. Um, felt strange. Uh, later that semester, I had had a radical encounter with Jesus as as king and as Lord, he revealed himself. I, I felt forgiveness. I felt just his love uh, wrap around me. And, and I quickly found myself kind of pulled into Christian community and, and the love and support and acceptance of this group. And, um, and I kind of forgot about it. Well, a year or two later, I'm at the gym and... I see her, and I think, I, I feel just this, inca- what's the word, uh, incapacitated. I felt like un- just totally unable. What am I supposed to do? That I'm growing in respect on campus. I think I kind of know who I am as a Christian, and, and yet I see like this, this woman, this this. This person who, who I did not treat right, who I, who I kind of just ignored and used, and, and I felt heartbroken, I felt weak, I felt unable. And then I feel like God says, go up to her and apologize. And I probably paced the hallway for a minute thinking, what in the world, how could I possibly do that? And... Uh, and in that moment, God just gave me the strength. To, she's on the treadmill. I go up and tap her on the shoulder. It was loud in the room. And so I went on, out into the hallway to talk. And I just say, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian now. Um, and, I, and I just want you to know that I'm so sorry for, for, for how I treated you and what I did. And, and just the way that it all went down. I, I feel ashamed. I feel terrible. And I just want you to know that I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? And... She starts crying, and I start tearing up, and she forgives me, and I, we give each other a hug, and we kind of carry on, you know, our separate ways. And, and I, I remember leaving that moment feeling so liberated, so thankful, so, imp- like, just, like, on top of the world. It was a strange moment, because I was so weak, and yet God, like, gave me such incredible like power and strength in that moment and and and, and so I, I share that just to say like 
I found in my life, and, and maybe it's true in yours, in my moments of greatest weakness is when I've encountered God the most. The most powerfully, the most clearly, the most real. It's when I'm just, I just have, no, I have nothing, I have no accolade, I have nothing to be proud of, I have nothing to kind of show for myself, and that's where God shows himself the most. So today I want to talk to you about being vulnerable with your brokenness, which is what I just tried to do. So, all right. So, so, so everybody is, is broken. I'm just going to put that out there. Everybody is broken. Uh, but that brokenness might look different from one person to the next. And so, just in terms of what I mean by brokenness, there's that, that word can be used in different ways, and there's a lot of kind of, in preparing for this, my mind was kind of spinning because there's a lot of categories that this, that this lands in. But I'll just say it like this. Brokenness comes from the sin that happens to us. So, so something that, that, that something happened to us. The sin that happens around us just by, by living in a, in a broken and fallen world. And then the sin that happens through us, through our own agency, through our own broken lives, that, that sin against another person. It's those unsightly things beneath the surface, things we would rather not share with others, things we have to do, that have to do with the way that we cope with our sin and things we may never have had the control of in the first place and yet still have left their mark. It's not necessarily a matter of, of like your sin, but it's actually just the whole interworkings of, of living in a broken world and, coming, and not coming out unscathed. That brokenness is just a part of our reality and the way that it looks in your life is unique to you. The question is, do we take the pain, the disappointment, the shame, the brokenness of our reality to the cross, to the Father, and receive His grace, His forgiveness, His mercy, and His divine enablement? Or do we act like we're good, we, we go on, and, and try to name and claim our, our, our wholeness without facing our brokenness? So too often, instead of being broken by the thorns and thistles of life and coming to Christ, we either flee, we fight, or we hide. So, so we flee, right? We run away. We bury our pain in some form of addictive behavior and avoid life by focusing on only a small fraction of it. We talked about beeps a few weeks ago. It's, it's those addictive things that we run to for pseudo-joy that lets the dopamine fire and feel a sense of satisfaction, but really it's just numbing. It's just running away. It's just hiding well, hiding's the next one. It's just running away from, from what's going on inside. The, the beeps are, are behaviors, experiences, events, people, substances, whatever we use to try to run from the pain, run from the brokenness. We run. We flee. And then we, we fight, which may be a different way of thinking about it for some of us, but but we become angry and bitter and or violent because life isn't going our way. So we get angry at God and we get angry at, at something else. So the way this can manifest itself is through, is, is through sometimes the political wokeness that we, that we want to be compelled by. Like, I'm going to be mad at that thing. That's not right because I don't know how to deal with what's inside me and the way that that's actually in here. 
And so I'm going to be mad out there. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to fight the brokenness that I'm finding in here, out there, and, 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 and call it righteous anger. Or we hide. We build our lives in ways that cover up how damaged and fractured and frail we are. Right? We just, and some of us are really good at this. Some of us are so good at this that we, we think we're fooling everybody, including ourselves. Yep. We numb, we medicate, we eat, we, we build walls, we, we, just, we do whatever it takes to, to, to not deal with this stuff because we don't know how, we don't know why, and we, we feel like it's no, there's no good in it. Everybody wants to be healed and whole, but nobody wants to show where they've been and where they still are broken. Which is why it's so fascinating to, to look at the Apostle Paul at the end of 2 Corinthians. He's writing this letter to the church in Corinth who viewed Hercules as a hero, which is why he's up there. And, and he's fighting against this mentality, right? Corinth is this epic city. It's, it's 500 years old at the time of, of Paul's arrival. It's filled with this icons of sports heroes and, and, and you know, uh, mosaics of boxers and wrestlers and winners, this was a winning culture. And you were only a, a good leader. You were only good if you dominated, if you won. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Is that not the world that we live in? And so Paul's being attacked by whom he calls these false apostles, or kind of polemically, these super apostles, who are saying, man, you're weak. You can't be a leader. You've got all these issues. You don't even have authority over these people in your congregation you're just a fake, man. You're a loser. You, you're pathetic. And Paul, right, they're, they're coming at him from this perspective, and Paul gives them this one-two punch. You ready for it? Are we ready for it? Okay. All right, here's what he says. If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Wait, what? Paul, what do you talk, dude? Do you know who you're talking to? This is only going to get you even more pummeled. And he goes, if I'm going to boast, I'm going I'm to expose myself. I'm going to show you the things that have humiliated me. <clears throat> because you know why? It's only God. I'm still here, and it's only God. I can't take any credit for it. So he, he fills us in on this scene. It, keep, it, it keeps going. He says, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, who's worthy of eternal praise, knows I'm not lying. When I was in Damascus, the governor under King Eratos kept guards at the city gates to catch me. I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape from him. This is the substance of my boast. This is what it looks like to boast. You have all your accolades and so do I, but here's what I'm going to boast in. Here's what I'm proud of. That God rescued me. That God saved me. That I, I was going to die and they were going to capture me, but, but I somehow escaped. And God made a way. 
and I, and I ran away through a basket like a, like a scared kid. But, like, what, is, what are you talking about, Paul? He had, he had visions and revelations. He had accolades. He, he planted dozens of churches all over Asia. He had this, these things that he could list out. And they had theirs too. But he, he doesn't do that. He says, no, what I'm going to boast in is the things that show how weak I am. You know, Hercules was a god. And I think part of what he's, what he's getting at is he's saying, I think in, in all of your boasting, the only thing you're doing is elevating yourself on the throne of your life as, as God. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put God as God. And I'm going to be weak. And I'm going to let you see my weakness so as not to confuse it. I am not God. God is God. And so we have this contrast here. Right? We have Hercules, man, the, the brute strength, the feeder, the, the dominant one who, who, who's just a hero. And then we have Paul self-depicting, self-describing, putting himself as, here's, here's how I want you to view me. Here's, here's what I want you to see. And I think we, we need to just ponder that contrast sometimes because it's so tempting to present ourselves as Hercules. Yeah. So to present ourselves as, as whatever we have in terms of a pedigree, that's what I need people to see. That's what I need people to validate. That's what I need people to acknowledge. That's what I need people to applaud. When it's not the case. He goes on. He had, he, had, he, had, he had said, actually, that, that, that the, the Lord had given him a, a thorn in his flesh, a tormentor of Satan so as not to keep me proud. And then he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Yet each time he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in, the, in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. But still, like, what is, what is he saying? Like, this, this doesn't... I, don't, I still don't know if, it, if, it's, if I get it. I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. You know, that, that word work is actually, it's actually the word t- like tabernacle. So when, when it, in John, when it says that he, 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 Jesus Christ became flesh and, and he dwelt among us, it said he, the word is the, kind of referring back to the Hebrew idea of, of God dwelling in the tabernacle among his people, his divine presence in the tabernacle. So it says, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can tabernacle, it can dwell. The very presence of God can dwell in me through my weakness. In the, in the place, in the actual, where the, where the weakness resides, that's where the, the, 
the very presence of God can, can have a landing spot. That's where he can have a place to reside and dwell and take up resonance. I don't know if we want to hear that. I don't think we want to hear, I don't know if I want to hear that. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. On one hand, it's like, okay, great, thank you for meeting me in my weakness, but I don't want to live there. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, that was hard enough sharing my own story. I got plenty more. But, but I don't want, I don't want to like live there. And I think there's some tension here, right? Because we, we know scripturally that God is making us whole. He is redeeming us. He is, he is at work to, to heal and restore us. And yet there's something about the posture of what he's saying here that kind of flips it on his head and, 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 and allows it to be okay to be weak and vulnerable and needy and dependent on God. Not only does it make it okay, it makes it the very place where God's presence comes. It makes it the very place where God meets us the most clearly and powerfully and unfiltered. It's in the place of our utter weakness. You know, he's saying... If God can use me, He can use anybody. It really is about Jesus in us, not our own abilities and talents. The kingdom of God is about His power, His strength, not ours. So be encouraged. If you feel weak, if you feel depleted, if you feel like you don't have anything to offer, that's the perfect place to be. Because that's where God comes. That's where God shows Himself strong. So wholeness comes by giving God our broken pieces and letting Him restore us. So we, we just can ask, and this is a tough question, guys. I'm not, I'm not kidding myself here and thinking that, that we can just breeze through this. Paul was given a thorn in his flesh. A messenger of Satan clearly recognized this is, this is, this is not of God to torment him, to keep him from being proud. So, so just to ask what might be your thorn in the flesh feels like it feels almost blasphemous. It feels almost like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe for Paul there was something in his life that God didn't heal, but for me, I have faith. God healed me, or he's going to, and if I say anything else, I'm a... I just, I just lack faith. But to actually ask, no, if I can actually face the, the, my own brokenness, if I can actually face the own stuff in my life that, that, I, that I'm ashamed of, that I feel are just failures and deficiencies, and I'm not excusing them, right. but I'm looking at it. I'm actually looking at it. I'm letting myself see it. Yep. What might be your thorn in the flesh? Real temptations to anger and hate and resentment or judgmentalism that you can't escape from. A struggle with an addiction that forces you to be vigilant every day and attend meetings regularly. Scars on your soul from an abusive past. A child with special needs. 
Emotional fragility with a tendency to depression, anxiety, isolation, or loneliness as a single person or widow. You know, for Paul, it was a, it was a, it was a debilitating physical ailment. A, a, an actual physical thing in, in, his, in, his, in his flesh that, that prevented him from, from being fully healthy and whole. But, you know, our, our culture is, is so opposed to, to weakness. Yeah. It's so opposed to brokenness. Really, it sees it as worthless, right? Like, if I, if, especially depending on the, on the value of it. Like, I'll go and fix, you know, a car if it's broken because it's expensive and I can't just buy a new one. But, but for, like, other things, like, a, you know, my DVD player breaks, I'm not going to go get it fixed. I'm going to throw it out and I'm going to buy a new one. Right, my whatever my 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 pottery falls off the shelf. I'm not going to piece it back together. I'm going to just go get a new vase or whatever it is. But that's not the way God works. You see, God sees your weakness and brokenness, and given to Him as the precise opportunity to show Himself strong, to meet you with His presence at the very least, and with breakthrough at the very most. And this isn't saying, guys, that we're not contending for healing. This isn't saying that we're not praying for breakthrough and believing God. What it is saying is that in in the weak place, God dwells. That He tabernacles. That He takes up residence in your weakness. That He's a master builder with broken things. You know, our culture has no uh, p- concept of what this even, what this even is. This is, a, this is a piece of pottery uh, made with the Japanese uh, art form of kintsugi, which is, which is this idea of, of taking uh, broken pottery and piecing it back together with liquid resin dusted with gold as, as, a, as an art form. So a, a piece of pottery breaks, and rather than discarding it, it's actually intricately pieced back together by the artist to make it whole again and to accentuate yeah. the brokenness. Yep. They're not trying to hide where, where it's been broken or where the lines are. They're, they're making it clear. And it actually makes, makes the piece more valuable. Yep. It makes the piece more aesthetically complex. It makes the piece more appealing because of all the work that it took to put it back together. As a philosophy, it views brokenness as a part of the history of the peace, as something to accentuate, not disguise. The result is a peace more beautiful than before. You know, that, that sounds like God, doesn't it? That sounds like what God does. He takes what's broken and puts it back together more beautiful and valuable than before. You know, I think of, I think of Jesus, right? Now go with me here. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, all-powerful, humbles himself. All the way to a cross, 
Jesus dies on a cross, hands pierced, feet pierced, wound in his side. He dies. Utter brokenness. The exact place where God is completely broken, his power is most powerfully shown on the cross. This is the same moment. And there's this scene in the Gospel of John where Jesus appears to his disciples. And they're amazed. And Thomas, poor Thomas, he's not there. And so Thomas comes running in, maybe he just came back, back from lunch or whatever, and they're like, we've seen the risen Lord. And Thomas is, he's like, I will not believe until I, until I touch the wounds in his hands, until I see his pierced side. I, won't, I can't believe you. I need to see for myself. So eight days later, Jesus shows up again through locked doors, have you? Resurrected form. He says, peace be with you. And then he goes over to Thomas explicitly. He says, hey Thomas, come here. I want you to touch my hands. Put your, put your hand in my wound. Put, the, put your hand in the wound in my side. Feel it. Because this this is me, Thomas. And this is evidence of my own brokenness and the power of God. This is evidence. Can you see it? Can you feel it? This is the evidence. And so I think sometimes in our life we want to we clean it up, man. We want to we polish it off. We want to we get past the stuff. But maybe your own brokenness is evidence of the power of God in your life. Maybe it's just the evidence that a broken world needs to say, look, I've been broken, but God is still, God still reigns in my heart and in my life and through me. Your brokenness is a showcase for God's power. So why, though? Like, why be vulnerable with your brokenness? I mean, still. It's great. I get it. But why? I mean, why? So there are some parameters, okay? This isn't like, hey, just divulge all of your stuff to everybody in your life. I mean, anybody know an oversharer? Okay, that's not what we're calling ourselves to. That's not what I'm encouraging you to do. There's wisdom, there's discernment in this. But why, why, would, why would we do this? Because God leads the way. Right? Because God leads the way. We see it in Christ. Because it's through brokenness that wholeness comes. It's through brokenness wholeness comes. And yet, what if, guys, I mean, honestly, what if, what if nothing happens? Like, okay, great. I'm, I'm vulnerable with God. I'm vulnerable with trusted people about my own brokenness. And I'm going to do this because then I'll be healed. Or then I'll be made better. Or then I won't have to deal with this thing. But guys, what if it doesn't happen? 
What if you're not healed? What if it doesn't change? What if it's still hard? Because this, this posture of brokenness isn't means to an end. It's just the posture. Because God dwells in brokenness. Because God meets us there and He walks with us there and He, and he stays with us there. There's fellowship with Jesus in that place. And so we need to, we need to just know that. And we're still contending, we're still praying, we're still believing, but, but all simultaneously recognizing that God's meeting us here. He's not just over there. Right. He's not just on the other side of this thing that's broken. He's in it with you. Amen. So be encouraged, be comforted. He's not afraid. Amen. He's with you in the hard places. Which gives you the courage to open up about it. To let it be seen and let it be known to God. But guys, also, if we're talking about emotional health community, to other people. To somebody. Trusted, mature, healthy. Who can see you in that place and, and still love you with the character of God. And yes, yeah, scary because yeah, people hurt you. And it, and it could go bad. But that can't be... You can't live like that. You can't live... With the what if, you know, what if somebody hurts me with what they know? Like, no. We get to be open and vulnerable because God sees us there and he loves us there. And that's our identity. That's who he says, who, he tells us who we are from that place. Okay. So then how, right? Why be vulnerable? Because Jesus shows us the way and God meets us in it. And we have nothing left to hide. But, but how? And I just want to get, get practical here. How do I share, how do I be vulnerable with the stuff? Both past, that I feel like there's some distance between, and present, man, that I'm still in the middle of. That I still don't know what to do with it. I'm still very reluctant to talk about to anybody. I may be even reluctant to, to acknowledge it myself. It starts with coming to God with your brokenness and letting Him love you. You're the, you're the broken pot He is eager to put back together. You're the young brother kneeling with His head rested on the Father's chest and receiving the warm embrace of the Father's worn hands. Right, this is from the scene of the prodigal son. Coming to the Father, humiliated, weak, maybe I'll be a slave. The father comes running to the son and embraces him. We come to God. That's what he's doing. That's how he's running. That's, that's, that's who he is. And we can, we can let the love of the father embrace us in our weakness, in our brokenness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, so it starts with God. But it also includes bringing and telling your stories of your broken past and present to others. And I think, I mean, this feels very optional, if we're honest. It feels like, great, if, if the setting's right, if the time is right, if 
everybody else has also shared their stories, then then, then I'll share my brokenness with my community. I got, a, I got a high bar, so you better meet it. No, we can't live like that either. Let's just, let's start with, if you're married, sharing it with your spouse. You need to let your spouse see your brokenness, your dashed dreams, your disappointments, your fears, your anxieties, your worries, and let them love you there. Let them know you there. Let them know and see you and care for you there. For, um, for all of us, there's, there's an invitation to to share our brokenness with, uh, with an older person of the same gender whom we respect. Right. Okay? So this is just somebody you look up to who's, who's the same gender as you, who you respect, who, who you would probably not want to know this stuff. I'm telling you that there's, there's a good chance that it's, it's, it's actually for your good to let people in from that, from that angle. Let them know you, man. Let them, let them love you there. That's where God actually begins to work this stuff out. Um, you know, and, and in, my, in my story, there was a sense of, of needing to confess. Like, I needed to repent, and I needed to actually just confess my sin. And so maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just going to the person who you've hurt, who you've sinned against, who you've offended, and just asking for forgiveness. Man, that takes courage. Man, you're weak in that place. You're exposed and vulnerable. But that's where God's power comes to enable you to do it. And so, guys, if you're holding on to any sin that you've done against somebody else, go to them. Ask God for the strength in your weakness and just repent. Live that, live that out, man. That's what God has done for you. If, uh, if, you're, if you're an older person or just wherever you are, consider showing your weakness uh, to, to a younger person of the same gender who looks up to you. Who, who sees you as this, as this polished, kind of perfect person who, who doesn't know that they're just like you. Yeah. Let them see your, your weakness. Let them see your brokenness. Let them see your frailty because it's God who gets the glory. Right. It's God who, who's, who's at work in you. And then just in terms of like horizontal, just show your brokenness to a peer whom you trust. To, to not, not, somebody, not, your, not your spouse, but somebody else. Somebody who, who you're walking alongside, who you're running with, who you're in community with, who's at the same kind of stage as you. Let them see it and let them love you. Let them encourage you. Let them pour into you in that place. You know, Paul, oops, wrong way. He, he, earlier in the letter, he says this. Now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We don't have to run from this. We don't have to deny it. We don't have to act like we're a steel vault, man. We're, we're, we're clay pots. And so we get to let God be God. 
I'll end with this quote from Peter Scazzaro, who's the author of this um, emotionally healthy church that we're working through. He says this, Yet our light shines most brightly from the very backdrop of our own brokenness and vulnerability. This is our greatest gift to the people we serve. We help create a safe environment for others to come out of hiding and be themselves. So if you want to be a leader in your family, in your community, in your, in your relationships, lead from the place of brokenness and vulnerability and watch God be God. Amen? Amen. Alright, let's stand and pray. So, we'll just put our hands out as a posture of submission and, and our need for God. And God, we just come before you recognizing our brokenness, our weakness. And we, we thank you, Jesus, that you meet us there. That you come to us there. That you dwell with us there. Father, we ask for, uh, for your strength to meet us in our weakness to allow us to talk about it in, in discerning ways, but with people we trust in our community. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, you'd convict us of the ways that we flee, that we fight, that we hide, that we try to run from our own brokenness rather than facing it and inviting you into it. And we repent. We turn from, from that tendency. And we run to the cross. We run to the cross with our brokenness. We run to the cross with our disappointments. We run to the cross with our failures and frustrations. With the things that we can't escape from. And we thank you, Jesus, that you meet us with grace, that you meet us with compassion and mercy in that very place. God, we know that if we just think about our life, that our weakest moments are the times where we've experienced you the most powerfully. So God, help us to live from that place and let others see it. For our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.